This is Gross Anatomy, where pop culture meets health culture. Let's get to it. Hello, Jason. How are you doing today? Hi, Allie. Are we live at Gross Anatomy? We are live at Gross Anatomy. How's your day going? My day is, I'm kind of in a weird mood yesterday and today. I honestly was the same. Yesterday, I was headed out my house and I like felt like a hermit. Like I was like, I don't want to be outside. I just want to go back home and sort of work from home, which I sometimes have the luxury of doing. I understand you probably cannot work from home. Not that often. Not that often. Yeah. So um, I understand. I know this is going to be the cliche LA answer. I think Mercury is in retrograde. Is that a real thing? Are you Yeah. No, I think it is right now because I actually was feeling this way last week. And I remember texting Savannah, (laughs) who you know. Our family lawyer. Our family lawyer. Exactly. Every family needs one. She said, I think Mercury's in retrograde. And I said, I don't even need to Google it. I believe you. Oh, okay. So it's not (laughs) like you know what that means or anything. It's supposed to mean things like communication are off or just when like sort of weird things keep happening. It's always Mercury's in retrograde is who we blame. Mm, Interesting. Okay. I know nothing about that stuff. But my dad always used to love reading the horoscopes when I was a kid. That was like a big thing he loved was reading horoscopes and reading each of us hours. What sign are you? I'm a Sagittarius. Okay. I'm trying to think if I know any. I don't know enough either. Maybe we'll have to do a spinoff where we read our signs. Oh, that could be a good episode, (laughs) but I know nothing. I won't pretend to know anything either. Today, that's not what we're talking about. We're not here for that. We're talking about biohacking, which is kind of a buzzy term right now. It's so buzzy. Biohacking. Biohacking. Essentially, people are trying to reverse their biological age with some biohacking tips. So it could be something as simple as Remember when there was like a vat of bulletproof coffee? There are people putting butter in their coffee in the mornings. Butter in their coffee? Yeah, it was a thing. Honestly, I, I don't know how many people are doing it as much anymore, but that was an example that I found online. And then that sounds yucky. I agree. People loved yeah. it. Whipped cream, I get, but but butter, I don't know. I think it's something to do with the fats and the oils that you're having while you're consuming caffeine and like doing that early in the morning. I don't take to that. So I that's not an area of expertise for me. One I have been seeing a lot is cold plunging. So that one's really popular right now. Do you know anyone who does that? You know, fun fact, one of our early, early podcasts, we talked about cold plunging. Bernice and I, the master injector, my wife, we actually went and we did not into a bath, but we went into those one of those cryo, what what do you call it? Oh, yeah, like a cryo chamber. A cryo chamber, and we tested it out. And then I think Lauren, her husband, tested one out also, and we talked about it. Wow. I'm glad you guys went and did it firsthand so we can talk about cold therapy and that as a biohacking method. It was a fun uh, experience, and it made me 20 years younger. Oh, it did. So yeah, it worked. Yeah, I can tell actually, it's on your face. Yeah, I'm 90 already, but I, I'm looking really good. Yeah. I mean, you definitely don't look 70, so crank that down. It made you 40 years younger. There at you least. Go. There you go. <laughs> I just tried it recently. I went to Pause, which is a studio where you can kind of do a sauna cold plunge room where you rent the room for about an hour. And that was a really cool experience. But it made me sort of immediately think of my dad's from Finland and that they've been doing that. I couldn't even sure count how many years, just like anywhere, especially in Nordic countries where there's ice cold water. They've been cold plunging for so long. And then that also made me think of Wim Hof. Have you heard of him? Who? Wim Hof. He's a guy in Holland. I don't know if I want to say 
say like pioneered, but he made cold punching really popular. He brought it to bigger platforms like Goop that yeah. ended up spreading it. Like I first heard of cold plunging, the formal cold plunging that we know of now, not jumping in a cold lake in Finland or Sweden or wherever. Goop did an episode with him on their Netflix series and he sort of teaches the breathing method. So it's sort of like a breath work mixed with cold therapy and the way that you breathe when you're enduring cold and how he believed that uh, people think so like anxiety. Yeah, it's a lot about the breath. Uh, yes. Well, we've also known it for a long time with athletes. You know, you're always saying athletes uh, doing these cold baths and you know, after a hard, strenuous uh, exercise. I think it's been around for a while with athletes, cold plunging. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I remember even in high school, like the ice baths, you'd see like the football players do. I think it's just sort of spreading out of athletes and into the general public to feel better, lower inflammation, those things. There was a movie with, because it's all about movies for me, there was a movie with Angelina Jolie, and I'm blanking on the guy, the guy who plays a young Dr. X from the X-Men, James McAvoy. James McAvoy. Okay, yes. So James McAvoy and Angelina Jolie, and I think they were like assassins or something. A big part of their healing, if they got injured, was being in these cold plunge baths where they totally recovered kind of thing. You know, it was kind of fantasy. They would come back from all these crazy injuries. And I don't remember what movie that was. It was a kind of fun movie. She was training him to be this assassin, kind of like a... uh, matrix e kind of movie a little bit is it called wanted i think it is it comes up as um that she trains him as a secret society of assassin which takes its order from fate itself that's exactly it yeah Yeah. and i remember the cold plunge was a cool scene in that movie actually okay well then i'm adding that one to the list and you have to add the wim hof episode of the goop series to your list there you go i got homework We both got homework this week. So there's all these different tools that people use, whether it's cold plunging, saunas, the cryotherapy. People are doing DNA tests to sort of see if they have genetic markers and like how to reverse those. Do you think that we are just avoiding the inevitable or do you think that there's actually some value in people tracking this? There's a big biohacking conference coming up in Orlando towards the end of June with all the famous biohackers out there. Actually, it sounds like it'd be a cool thing for us to go to also. But when I was looking at a lot of the speakers and all of that, in addition to everybody's bio, it said entrepreneur and business person. And that always kind of, not always, but a lot of times it red flags stuff for me when it's about business. And, but I I mean, a lot of things are about business. And, you know, I I have these two hats I wear. I I wear the the do good doctor, you know, who believes in just doing good and not making a living, just, you know, taking care of people for the, out of the goodness of my heart. And then I have to feed a family and take care of myself. And I also think about why, wow, it would be nice to be a little business savvy and start a business and have this and that. So that's a weird long answer to your question. And it doesn't even totally answer the question. But I think one component of this whole biohacking thing is big business Mm -hmm. is basically the weird answer, the weird non-answer answer to your question. But yeah, everybody is always looking for myself included, you know, being around as long as possible. Why not? Right. If we totally, can. Totally agree. I think it's just sort of in our nature. Right. Yeah. We, we want to feel good. We want to be here 
feeling yeah. good as long as possible. You know, for me, I had this epiphany. I, I think we talked about it a little bit when I went plant-based. Basically, how many years ago were you a freshman in college? Oh, so you asked me this on the last episode and I said the wrong year and aged myself to be around 22. <laughs> I am 27. I started college in 2014. So almost 10 years ago is when I started kind of going on the road to health a little bit myself. For the same reason, I kind of thought to myself, A, I'd like to be around for a while, but B, I also kind of had this fatalistic attitude that something's coming for all of us. You know, mm -hmm. unfortunately, that's the one thing we know for sure is something is coming for us. And I kind of said to myself, let me be as prepared as possible to put it put it off or battle it and, and try to stick around for as long as possible and fight that thing that's coming. I think that's such a good way to view it. I also kind of coincidentally, the same year was my about freshman year of college kind of started learning about health. I mean, maybe that's a California thing. Most probably younger teens aren't worrying about it, but I remember taking a class where we sort of just learned about one in a sociology class, we learned about the effects on the environment. But then in a nutrition class I took, we learned about things like processed sugar. I never paid attention to that. It was prior to that. It was just, you heard your parents talk about like calorie counting or Weight Watchers or those kind of. Right. And, I, and then it was like me learning about like whole foods and more of like a balancing diet and like lowering sugar and alcohol. And that was the first time I'd ever considered that. 2014 for me too, it was a big year. There you go. There you go. I don't know if this is something you'll be able to break down, but do you know from a, like a an overview perspective, if you were to explain this to a kid, like how does the body break down? What is aging? The crazy thing about us is we are constantly making cells and cells are constantly dying, you know, millions, tons, tons and tons all day. Constantly we're making new cells and more cells are dying. You know, when, when patients always say, doc, I haven't eaten anything. How am I going to go to the bathroom? Just like our skin flakes off, our intestinal lining flakes off. And that's what a lot of, not a lot, but that's what poop is sometimes too, is just our intestinal lining flaking off or the bacteria in our intestines, you know, doing stuff in there. So hair falling out, you know, we're, we're just constantly building ourselves up and then, and getting destroyed constantly. And at a certain point, and it's usually, I don't know what age it is where we're no longer, the scale tips in terms of making us, in terms of more like ending us to some degree, but to some degree, you know, that happens in our late 20s and early 30s. You know, we, we stopped becoming new and now we're just to be totally depressing. We're dying, you know, we're slowly yeah. dying. We're no yeah. longer, you know, in, in that early phase. And Gosh, to go back to that early phase, that would be great. You know, a lot of what this biohacking thing is, why I guess you're interested in it is trying to find out ways to either delay it or even if possible, reverse it. And why not? That's why a good not? point. I know the life expectancy is going up. We don't need to look at the stats to know that grandparents are living longer. Parents are living longer. I think they're also just maybe smoking less, drinking a little bit less, eating a little bit healthier. Speaking of bulletproof, I, I read an article on biohacking and I saw that the founder says Dave Asprey, founder of a multi-million dollar bulletproof brand. He had a doctor harvest stem cells from his bone marrow, inject those into every joint in his body in a highly publicized quest to live to 180. So that's pulled from just a Forbes article. 
I don't know how invasive that is, but there's, I wonder like what other forms of, would you be willing to try something like that? Do you think 180 is a little bit of a wild goal? I mean, why not shoot for the moon, right? Or in Mars these days, actually. I think it's reasonable. There are things like that being done with PRP, right? Platelet-rich plasma. It's a common thing that's being used for hair growth now and for Mm. joints, taking a person's plasma, spinning it down, and in theory, kind of getting it down to the basic cellular level, thinking that it's like going to be similar to an embryo type of cell that could turn into anything, right? That That's the whole premise for it. An embryo starts out as just these two cells and then goes on to become a person. Each cell kind of starts and becomes whatever it is. And that's the thinking about placenta a little bit also, one form of stem cell research. There's a lot going on with stem cell research. Actually, we know even in cancer therapy, there's stem cell research. So there's something to it, whether or not something on his basic level will work. If you got a ton of money and you know it's not going to hurt you, maybe why not? And then to your point, maybe that's a little bit of a PR pull for his company. So he for has sure. this, yeah, this wellness biohacking, kind of very well-known business now. It was, you know, he probably started small and then they've grown so much as interest has grown. As it said, it was highly publicized. When you said placenta, I remember there being like all these big wolves, like one of the Kardashians ate their placentas after giving birth. So definitely people have been doing that for a while too, I'm sure. We're just hearing about it. I think that's like a Native American tradition, although I could be totally wrong of doing something with, maybe it's burying the placenta, something about the placenta, but I don't know. Oh yeah, it comes up right away. Native American placenta rituals. There's a burial within the boundaries. of. But they don't eat it, right? There's no eating of the placenta, I don't think. Is there? I'd have to do a deeper dive, but the first thing that comes up is a burial. It sounds like they hold it in a different light than we do, which it seems like here the hospital just kind of throws it away. No, they don't actually. When we had one of our kids, there was this thing that you could actually store the placenta. I don't remember if it was the placenta itself or placenta blood for exactly that reason. If God forbid there was something wrong with your kid, you could harvest those cells which are theoretically could evolve into anything and help grow a this or a that. And I think it's still being done. I don't know what practical applications there have been to it. We did it for a short little while and then we're like, why are we paying for this placenta bank thing? (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like a um, sort of like an egg bank that women do, but you're not sure if you're going to use the placenta, the eggs you'll probably use. Right, exactly. Hopefully you never need to use the placenta. Right, that makes sense. I definitely have heard of that. I just didn't know if all hospitals are offering it or it's sort of more of a niche thing. I don't think it's the hospital. I think there's like an independent company or service that offers it and the hospital will facilitate it, but it's done through this company. Yes, that's true. It is business. That's good monthly revenue for them. I assume it wouldn't be cheap. For some reason, what popped into my mind when we we're talking about body hacking and these weird trends was the movie iRobot. And remember, he has the arm and he's like, he's not comfortable with the robots. I wonder if things like that, people start using like interesting technology as well. The chips in people's arms for paying, just little things. Limbs is maybe a bad example because that's more of a necessary, like, of course, why would you say no to that? But what came up in the article was the chips people do. I don't know why it would be considered biohacking, but for like checking out places and paying. I read that. Is that really happening already or is that theoretical? I think it's happening already. Maybe I'll do a sort of a little follow-up fact check on this episode where I... I mean, it sounds convenient, but it sounds scary as heck. I know. Sort of sounds like a weird way to just track information on people, but maybe I'm getting a little bit um, woo-woo with that. 
And there was another movie like that where they're also in their wrist, in their arm was, I don't think it was money. I think it was like how much life you have left. Oh, mm-hmm. who was in that movie? Yes. It was, was it Olivia Wilde? Yeah, Olivia Wilde was the mom and Justin Timberlake right, Justin was Timberlake. her son because people were having like kids so young. I remember this movie. Very interesting concept. Right, right. And their life was in their arm, which sounds like not very far away from what you're talking about. Yeah, I think it, it also probably touched on a concept of time is money, you know, or money is time. The wealthier they were in time, the wealthier they were in life. You gotta look up the name of that movie. I know, we should find it. That's another- In Time. It was called In Time with Amanda Seyfried? How do you say her name? Amanda Seyfried. Seyfried. I I forgot she was in that. Yeah. That was a cool movie also. Yeah. I love the concept of that. It was really interesting. Yeah. There's a lot of sort of funky dystopian movies that probably touch on the health. The crazy thing about that is it, you know, and it's kind of pertinent to this month or in these last few days is it reminds me of, you know, the Holocaust. You know, the, the all the Jews in the concentration camps had numbers tattooed in their arms. And, you know, it just sounds a little bit too much like that for me to really be comfortable with something like that. I mean, that's an important parallel to draw. I think it's a lot of control that's being put over people. Yeah, even all of these movies that sound like weird and dystopian, like I think all these shows and movies, I've been rewatching Hunger Games or like, remember Handmaid's Tale? Even though they're an extreme version, it's this sort of slippery slope that they're representing to all these little things that lead into like a very controlling life. So that's an interesting concept. Yes. Yes. What else did I have for you today? Intermittent fasting also came up, but I think that even ties back to how we talked about Ozempic. Like I think people doing intermittent fasting does things like lowering inflammation and, you know, increasing overall health. Is that something that you practice? I practice it, but it's not really deliberate. It's more just, that's kind of how I've always lived. I I kind of rarely eat. I usually just have coffee in the morning Mm -hmm. and then For the most part, I usually don't eat until later in the day. I don't know if it's necessarily a good habit, but it's kind of been one of my habits. I don't know. I think intermittent fasting is really more about watching your caloric intake. That's one way of watching your caloric intake uh, and making sure you're not consuming too many calories. I, I really think that at the heart of it, that's really what intermittent fasting is. It's just a gimmicky way of kind of figuring it out. I think that culturally, that's how it's being used. So I'm going to agree and disagree on this one. I think, yes, that's sort of the way that people are using it. Like I'll see even some people say like, I'm intermittent fasting. And I'm like, you're just not eating as much, it seems like. Because it's supposed to be, there's like a time span. Like let's say it's 12 hours to 15. My understanding of it is that you're not eating. You're creating time between like, let's say that last meal and the first meal of the day in order to like be in a rest and digest state where your body does repairs for longer, whether that's just in the end lowering calorie intake so your body can work on other things. I think it was supposed to be something about that time span being important. But again, I think that maybe the way you're saying you do it, which is just sort of intuitive eating, is eating when you're hungry. The way that I've been doing, I shouldn't even say intermittent fasting, is that I just try to pay attention now to when I'm hungry. Whereas maybe in the past, when I was younger, you just wake up and eat breakfast. That's just like the time of day. It's like a clock that you remember since you're little. Now I'm like, oh, I wait until I'm hungry. And then I try to just stop eating when I'm full, which can be hard for people too. Yeah. I'm good to wait till till I eat till I'm hungry, but I have trouble stopping when I'm full. Yeah. I think a lot of people do. That's like a learned behavior I've had to do. 
I also, um, I'm sure my dad will listen to this, but he was always a big finish your plate right. person. So then I had to sort of, which I think as a kid, I was like, honestly, such a string bean. He was probably like, all right, come on. Yeah. Uh, I, I was probably having like a bite of something saying I was full. And then I know there's a struggle with kids I don't understand. But then I think I had that voice in my head that sometimes when I was older, I'd be like, oh, I have to finish it. Uh, whereas now, even if there's just one bite left, I try to just say, well, like I'm full. So I'm going to leave the one bite. I wish I could do that. I'm I'm always part of the clean plate club, unfortunately, although it's good having pets and knowing that sometimes you could save that food for another time to give to your pets. If it's OK. Yeah. That last bite can um, kind of disappear off your plate and you can be in the clean plate club yeah. as long as honey's. Well, the other the other good thing is composting that kind of is a good way to to get over the being part of the clean plate club. Yes, I've I've been sort of like annoying to people in my family with the composting as well because even when my current apartment doesn't have a green bin, I'll freeze my compost cuz the smell is really what's the worst. So here's a hot tip for everyone who doesn't compost, put it in the freezer and then drop it in a green bin cuz you don't want like the mushy, slimy stuff on your counter or like sometimes that's the worst part. So I've always done that so I I kind of pull that guilt off of it. Because putting it in the trash, I think, creates methane gas, which is, you know, we get back into the environment, not good. So composting, if you can, is definitely the move and relieves the stress of not cleaning your plate. Exactly. To some degree, getting back to intermittent fasting, I think all of this stuff, I mean, even Ozempic and pretty much mm-hmm. everything, to some degree, it's all fad, to some degree. And and if there were one truly perfect way to do it, if there were a perfect way then everybody would be doing it. So clearly there isn't one perfect way. There's good ways for everybody at different specific times is really what I think. And at some point, doctors say or scientists say that it's good to kind of keep a steady state of your insulin and your glucose mm-hmm. and kind of not have big ups and downs and peaks and valleys. But yet now the intermittent fasting world kind of believes that, no, it's better to have these big spikes and peaks and troughs. And and I, I don't think anybody really long term knows the answer. I agree. Yeah. I've even noticed sometimes when I'm not hungry, but I can tell my blood sugar is kind of off. For someone who's anxious, the best thing you can do is control your blood sugar, sort of have like almond butter or something on hand. So you're right. There's a lot of this that I'm sure biohacking will mean something different next month than it does this month. It was running five years ago. Everyone needs to start running. And now it's like this low intensity, high impact movement. Everyone's doing Pilates or like whatever the next thing is. So I'm interested to see what the next iteration of it is. Is it cold plunging, breath work? Right. And I've recently gotten, I think we talked about a little bit, I've gotten into the hot yoga craze a little bit. Mm. And yeah, but I find that there's something spiritual in that. Although I haven't yet found my spiritual guide yet in terms of hot yoga. Like I I see the beauty of it, the yoga, but the classes that I'm doing are all a little too much, you know, in, in the back of my mind, I feel like I'm doing Jane Fonda workout a little bit, you know, or Olivia Newton-John workout. I I still kind of want to find like the yogi that's going to kind, benevolent yogi that's going to help me do yoga and find that peace also. That's kind of where my head is mentally. And I think that would be a big biohacking thing. Yeah, that is. That's such a good point. I think a lot of the yoga that we do that is westernized turns into because like right it's it's kind of an appropriated it is an appropriated form of exercise that really is meant to be a spiritual practice so probably the studios that we go to here 
I've been to a few that I felt exactly the same. I'm like, I'm in a hit class. Like I'm holding weights, doing jumping jacks in a, like it just is kind of spun into something that you're like, wait, I don't know if this is what it was meant to be. So I think it's good to kind of try to find as authentic as we can version of that here. And that they're probably, you're right, is the best form of biohacking there is kind of connecting with the spiritual side of it. And a lot of yoga, I mean, the classes I took in college and such was you're learning the breath work associated with the movement, which a lot of teachers I haven't heard talk about outside of those classes that I took in college. Whereas when you do like say a vinyasa, it's like the breath is just as important as like the physical aspect of like lowering yourself and doing the sort of push-up motion. I think we lose that a little bit. So that's a really good point. I don't know if we talked about, I'm, I'm reading Eat, Pray, Love now. Did we talk about that yet? Oh, I think you lightly mentioned it. I don't remember. I feel like this isn't the first time, but tell me what it's bringing up for you. I almost feel like we should do a whole episode on it when I finish it. There's, there's so much to that book I'm in love with. It, it's this woman's healing journey over the course of a year where she goes to Italy and then India and then ends in Bali. And, you know, she's healing different parts of herself. But the part that I like the most is the meditative soul searching to some degree. And, and that's what's been speaking to me. And that's kind of what I'm thinking about in terms of this biohacking. And it's interesting that I'm that I let Bernice, my wife, drag me to hot yoga recently. And I like parts of it. So I'm in this weird mental place right now that I feel like I'm starting a journey. That's a great place to be. It's probably shaking up some dust, I'm sure. It's, it can be a little bit intense, but I know her story is actually really interesting. I, I mean, I don't want to pretend to know everything about it. But even after that book, there were like all these developments. No, I watched the movie, but I would, yeah, I would read it and we can. I think you'll love it. Let's definitely both read it and then have a discussion on it because I know that her life even later, I don't remember the specifics, but she does get sick in real life. And there's like a follow-up story on that. Her life actually is really interesting and she shakes up her life in more than a few ways. Um, I don't want to give anything away if you're still reading, but let's definitely do a cover on it. Yeah, I've heard her give a TED Talk, which was wonderful, a while ago when I first started exercising. And now I'm reading this book because Izzy, my youngest, was reading it for school. And as I'm reading it, I'm texting all my girls, Bernice and my three daughters, saying, you guys need to read this book. I hope they get out of it what I'm getting out of it and, and not I'm, I'm loving her journey. And and I it's good for anybody who's seeking and searching and wanting to go on a journey, whether it's biohacking or whatever it is. Yes. Yeah. She did her own form of spiritual and biohacking. And I would love to read the book and then follow up with some of the like developments that happened after it in her timeline. Yeah. Yeah. We can do that. We'll follow up. That's my homework. What am I watching? I'm watching the Angelina Jolie movie. What's it called? Wanted. And I'm going to start reading Eat, Pray, Love. And I have to look up The Cold Plunge Man. Yes, Wim Hof. Yeah, Wim Hof. Okay. Anything else? You think he'll be a guest on the podcast? I mean, that would be the dream. I would love to get... He's actually broken like a few Guinness World Records. He is an institute where he works with people to see how his breath work and cold therapy recover. So he's like the ultimate interesting... Yeah, he's great. I would love to learn more about him and chat with him in real life one day. Maybe we'll all go cold plunge with him. The three of us will cold plunge. I mean, fingers crossed. I'm manifesting that now. If you believe in manifestation, Wim Hof, here we come. There you go. Awesome. Well, anything else from you? Anything you're watching or that we need to know about to wrap it up? We are watching Yellowstone now. And have you watched Yellowstone? No, I haven't. I've heard good things. Yeah, we're kind of late to the party, but an interesting... I don't remember if it's the end of season one or beginning of season two... 
where the Kevin Costner character, this isn't anything to do with biohacking, but he develops a bleeding ulcer mm-hmm. and he's there on his ranch and the veterinarian diagnoses him and winds up doing surgery on him awake with all the ranch hands holding him down in her van. And it was just the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. I just, I'm really enjoying the show, but that aspect of doing that, and he stayed awake during the whole thing. So, I mean, even if somehow it were feasible and they didn't kill him and he didn't bleed to death, there's no way he would have stayed awake and not passed out and and then gotten septic and died from it. So it was just so ridiculous. So we just watched that episode the other day and I, I just feel like I had to share it here on Gross Anatomy. Yeah. I mean, this will be a little bit of a teaser for a future episode, but I want you to save up those scenes. I want to review those on an upcoming episode. What movie and TV scenes, you know, are kind of blowing you away? Are they really accurate or really not? Because my first thought was, yeah, wouldn't he pass out? I would have. I mean, yeah, I'm sure I would have. Ke- it's Kevin Costner. So, you know, maybe, maybe you know, Kevin Costner doesn't pass He's out. He's built different. Right. Exactly. Thank you so much for chatting today and giving us your unfiltered opinion per usual. Loved it. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Have a good one. You too. Thanks for listening to Gross Anatomy. As a reminder, Gross Anatomy is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. 